Side Hustle Show 237, how to quickly brainstorm and validate new business ideas. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Because why climb the corporate ladder when you can build your own? That's the question my guest today faced. He'd been working at some high-flying startups, including a little company you might have heard of called Facebook. And he could have continued down that path, working for somebody else, collecting a steady paycheck. But instead, he set out to build his own ladder. And today, that ladder is leaning up against the eight-figure business that is AppSumo and Sumo.com. I'm excited to welcome Noah Kagan to the program. We're going to chat how to quickly come up with business ideas and how to validate those so you don't waste a ton of time. Noah is a super smart dude when it comes to this stuff, somebody I've been following for quite a while, and somebody definitely worth paying attention to during your entrepreneurial pursuits. If you like what Noah is dishing in this episode, I think you'll like his new podcast, Noah Kagan Presents, which you can find over at his personal site, okdork.com. So stick around to hear how he comes up with and tests new business ideas and how you can borrow the same methods. You'll also hear the failed marketing strategy that too many side hustlers rely on and what you can do instead. Notes, links, and a free PDF download with all of Noah's top tips from this episode are at SideHustleNation.com slash Noah. Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the affordable small business accounting software for side hustlers and freelancers with invoicing and time tracking built right in. When you apply Noah's strategies and it's time to get paid, think FreshBooks. And here's the deal. As a side hustle show listener, you can get started with a 30-day trial today absolutely free at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. I'll be back to tell you a little bit more about FreshBooks, plus my top takeaways from this chat with Noah after the interview. And if I sound a little tired during this call, I'm not. I was just recovering from some disease where I was all stuffed up and lost my voice. So that's what's going on there. Ready? Let's do it. The number one thing I, that I've learned from starting a bunch of businesses and most working and a lot failing is that for anyone in the pre-idea phase, go do something today. That's like what I've noticed for the, everyone who hesitates is that like hesitation is the enemy and hesitation is the thing that holds everyone back. Cause like, Oh, well, I want to wait for the idea. I want to wait for this. Like I was starting, I wanted to show people how to start an events business. I was like, ah, let me just show people how to start like an experiences or an events business. And not all businesses will work. And that's great. And that's why I discourage people from wasting time and money so that they can go find something that works. But what I, what was interesting, Nick, is I spent four weeks talking to people about it in the event space. Yeah, like I wanted to create experiences. I, I wanted to basically for young, you know, for young people to kind of meet new other young people and have like whiskey making class or go get golf lessons or like, I don't know, just oh, okay. I don't know, not say white activities, but like, you know, fun things for you to meet new people and like have fun with other like people our age. Yeah. Events and adventures or something. Yeah. Like experiences with other young people. And so I spent so much time talking about it and I was like, oh, hey, what do you think about this idea? And some people were like, I love that idea. And other people were like, that's a stupid idea. And eventually one day I said, all right, you have 48 hours. You have to do it in 48 hours. It's a self-imposed deadline. A self-imposed deadline is one of the, the keys to being to getting your site hustle going. Like, I'm going to get the site up today. I'm going to go use, you know, HostGator or DreamHost, whatever. I don't know if you're sponsored by somebody. <laughs> I'm not. Go ahead. Site hustle should sponsored by Ford. So uh, <laughs> I used to work for Ford, actually. <laughs> Did you really? That was, that was my one and only corporate gig. Did you start a site hustle while you were there and, and that would led to this whole thing? Yeah, that was the shoe business. I started while I was working there. Oh, and so did you, how, how much were you making when you finally quit? Um, I don't know. I can't remember if, if, if the number that I wanted to see in my head was like, you know, cover our expenses for like rolling 12 months or cover, you know, the day job salary. I was making about 50 grand a year working for Ford. And so the shoe business probably was less than that at the time that I quit, but, but maybe close to it. Hmm. 
But the, the thing is, is that like you, you create some limitation and then you say, all right, I have 48 hours to see if I can get a few customers. And I, I always encourage people to say, can I, you get like three customers paying in 48 hours? And this is obviously different than like build a site, write content, and hope you can make money. I, I don't like the hope business strategy. <laughs> right. I think hope business strategy is a horrible strategy. And so I created the event. I just went to Eventbrite. It's free. Create an event. And I just posted on Facebook and then I texted, emailed and called some friends. Said, hey, is anyone 20 bucks? We're going to go learn how to make whiskey at a local bar. And I didn't even have the bar stuff confirmed, but I figured if I had, you know, 20 people paying 20 bucks, I could go to a bar and say, hey, what's an off night for you? Tuesday? Okay, well, I'm going to bring 20 people. I'll pay you 400 bucks. Can we get one free drink? Can you teach us how to make it? And I was able to actually do it. And it was only because I really limited myself. I just messaged friends and they don't have to give me money. A lot of people kind of assume it, but I started my sumo jerky business, which I can talk about later as an example of how to start a company. And none of my family would give me any money for that. So I don't generally buy into like, oh yeah, family, friends love you. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't care about jerky. They don't, they don't, which is fine. The thing I, I would caveat though, as people are trying to start their businesses is that when someone rejects you, I'm sure there's some cliche sales book, oh, it's a great experience. It, it's, it still hurts. Yeah. So I think the, the two things with that is that, let's say no one wanted to buy my event stuff, like no one wanted to go. Number one, that's awesome. That means I didn't waste a bunch of money and time trying to find that out. I figured it out instantly within 48 hours after spending four weeks talking with people. And the second thing is that then I can go give them something they may actually want. I can actually go and be like, oh, well, they didn't want this. What do they want? Okay. And I, I've never actually met someone who's made money or grown successful businesses that hasn't had things that didn't work out. But what they do is they figure out, well, why didn't that work out and what will work out? And then how do I you know, align myself more towards that? So I think people, I can get on board with this. Okay. Can I get three customers in 48 hours framework? It's like, okay, well, can I get three customers for what? Like, you know, the, the whiskey making idea is cool, but like in the sumo jerky idea is cool. It's like, where are you just like an inherently creative person that these, your just brain is filled with business ideas and you're like, well, shoot, I can just, you know, throw these at a dartboard and see what happens. Like, I think a lot of people are kind of stuck in that original idea generation phase. So if you're ever stuck in the, here's the, the easiest thing to, to, to do. Go work for free. If you're like, I don't have any ideas, that's great. Hit up your friend and be like, hey man, I'm free for four hours. I'm going to work for you for free. What can I help you work on? <laughs> and you'd be surprised. So I have a friend who loves making videos. So he hits up restaurants and he says, hey, I just want to make videos and I'll do it for free. And they say, well, what's the catch? He's like, no, I just want to get experience. And if you like the video, can you share it? And now about, I think it's about six months almost, his videos, it's called Nom Dudes on Facebook. After six months now, he's getting so busy making videos for people that they're like, he's like, hey, well, if you want it, you have to pay because I have too many people asking for it. Okay. And so my point there is that I don't think I have the best ideas. And almost none of my ideas start off as great. But I start them and then I notice and I pay attention to what people like or don't like. What I'm looking for, Nick, is I'm looking for people to say like, oh, that's cool. I'm looking for that kind of reaction of what I'm doing to see that people are interested in some way of saying like, give me. And I think what people normally do is they wait too long and then they don't do anything. And then they try to force something that no one wants. They're like, but this is the thing. I really want it to work. And I think if you can start looking lateral, there's a book called Smart Cuts by Shane Snow, which is awesome to think about lateral thinking. It's how to look sideways to create new solutions. Okay. Instead of being so like, it has to be this one way. And I think that's what's helped me be successful because I'm not married to anything. I'm like, well, here's my fundamental part, which is with AppSumo or Sumo. It's like, I want to help people promote themselves. I want to help people grow. And you know, I'm not necessarily married to the exact tactics of it, but the fundamentals I am. And I think if people can be okay with that, they'll probably figure out something that works. I don't think my ideas are greater than anybody else's. Another tactic that you can do for the people that are stuck on ideas, here's a very, very simple one. All you have to do is keep a piece of a note card, a three by five with you, or use your phone, use your notes on Android or iPhone. 
and just write down everything as you're going through your day, anything that sucks, just write that down. Anything, like anything you're thinking about complaining about or anything that's inconvenient to you, just write that down. And literally at the end of the day, if you don't have 10, like you're not living, you're, you probably didn't leave your house. <laughs> okay. But you will have 10. And then like even, I'll tell you, like I'm going, I'm traveling tomorrow to Maryland. And one of the top problems I have is I hate thinking about what to pack. I hate it. It's the worst. Me too. I'm with you. Okay. It's the worst. And so I'm like, well, I'd love for someone to tell me. So if I wanted to start another business and people are like, well, packing, what's, what's packing? So if I can help you with packing, then I can help you with travel. Then I can help you with booking. Then I can help you with like activities. Then I can, you know, there's a lot of other things that you can start doing from that. And I think people psych themselves out because it's not a big enough market. I generally never give a shit if it's a big enough market. I care if it's a problem that I want to work on. And I can see, you know, can I, can I work on this for at least a year? And packing list for me is not it, but I think if anyone out there wants to solve it, go for it. Okay. And if you just go through your whole day, I mean, I'm trying to hire VAs actually funny uh, enough that you work on that. So it's taken me like two weeks to interview them and deal with all the shit and go through the process. And yeah, it's a pain in my because I didn't, you know, I want to have someone great around me and just start going through your whole day. Like, man, there is actually a good amount of stuff. Now, here's another simple one. I had to go to the barber today. Which I'm not trying to act like a rich person, Nick, but like, aren't you like rocking the bald, uh, bearded look? Yeah, that I am? <laughs> yeah, the bald beard, dude. Bald is in, man. People with hair, it's it's out this year. Hair <laughs> so, is out. So 2016. Yeah, dude, totally 2016. But the point is, is that I didn't want to shave in my because I'm traveling tomorrow, so I wanted to be cleaned up. But I didn't want to shave in the bathroom, and then it's like got hair everywhere, and then I have to clean it up. And so I made an appointment online, which is great, and I went there. What I was thinking though, I was like, why couldn't this person just come to my place and then do the hair over here and clean it up? And it's not about, you know, it's more about where you value your time. And I valued not having to go 30 minutes each way to actually get my hair cut. Okay. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to like figure out what other services could someone become the Uber of services that just starts having, you know, start with haircuts. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then you expand into like, all right, well, cleaning. Oh, that's kind of an obvious extension. And then maybe your oil change, which is a pain in the ass or getting your car washed or other things like that. And I think people kind of don't realize like there's a lot of opportunities on small ideas. And just even thinking about your day, like I bet you everyone out there can think about one thing they want improved. And the greatest thing about solving your own problems is that you at least have one customer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Writing down everything that sucks. No, this is a fantastic one. <laughs> just every in 24 hours, if you don't have a dozen ideas, your life is pretty cush. It sounds like. No, I mean, seriously, hit me up. You can know Kagan, just search for whatever. You can find me we're online. I'll most likely respond. Like if you don't have anything that sucks, let me know. And I will complain about something and then you can go solve it. and I'll give you money. I mean, I think the easiest one, and you you mentioned it, but everyone can go sell something that they own. Yeah. Like I, I list my stuff on Amazon or I guess Facebook Marketplace. Is good. Like everyone can just sell some one piece of shit they have in their house. And then you could text your friend and be like, yo, you have a bunch of shit you don't want or you're not using. Put it in a box. I'll come pick it up and I'll sell it. And eventually maybe you, you know, like, do you know Scott Volker from the Amazing Podcast? Yeah. So I didn't realize he started all of this because he was selling some like projector thing. He's a serial hustler. Yeah, he sold the projector thing. He sold it, talked about selling like these little wooden Christmas bridges or something. It's just, yeah, he's awesome. But the point with, he's a great example where he didn't think I'm going to have a podcast and I'm going to sell, teach Amazon. But he, he started selling like some random thing that he just put on eBay accidentally as like a thing to sell once. Yeah. Found out that people really wanted it. And then he went out crazy and found a bunch of them. And, you know, that morphed into, you know, I don't know, seven, I don't know if it's eight figure business that, that it is today. But the most important part of all of it is like, just start with something, anything today to get you that momentum and that motivation. Yeah. It's like going down my list of like, what sucks. And it's like, oh yeah, here, tell me what sucked for you today. Like meal prep. I hate ironing shirts, which I don't necessarily have to wear iron shirts very often, but like every time I do, I hate it. 
why do I fly out to left field at softball? Like, how come I can't just put it 20 feet over that dude's head? Like that, like, how come I can't hit for more power? That always sucks. I'm trying to figure out, like doing research on e-bikes. Like I really I'm, <laughs> I want to get an e-bike because I don't, like every, it seems like every direction I ride in this town is like into a stiff headwind. I just want somebody, <laughs> a little pedal assist. So stuff like that. It's just like, you know, you come up with these, this list of ideas that sucks. And some, I mean, some of these are already businesses that are out there, but it kind of gives you some ideas of what you might could work on. The two things I would say about it is number one, play to your strength. So if you love mountain bike, I love mountain biking. That's kind of my jam. So it makes sense for me to start with something in mountain biking or disc golf. I love that too. Okay. But for me to go start, oh, I'll do crocheting business. I'm like, I don't know shit about crocheting. So play to your strength. And personally, I just discourage opportunity businesses. I think if you're very young or you just want to get something going, fine, do an opportunity business where like you try to do Amazon affiliate or you try to do ads or something like credit cards or something that you're just not really versed in. But personally, solve your own problem because it's more interesting and more sustainable. The other thing, this is a common mistake I've seen, Nick, is that, well, there's someone else is doing it. You know, like, oh, this other guy's already got this or girl's got this. And I'm like, how many Mexican restaurants are in your town? Right. There's a lot. And I'm sure more than one of them makes a profit. So if there's someone else doing it and you're not using them, then there's probably some opportunity for you. What would you say to the person that says, well, I don't know what my strengths are? So two things that I would recommend. And let's take some of your ideas and we can talk about how to validate them. Because I think that's always helpful for people who are like, well, how would I actually start as a business? So let's come back to that afterwards. If you don't know what your strengths are, the two things that I have found, and I'm only telling you what's worked for me, well, I'll do two and a half. But number one is I just think about the last six months. What have I done that I felt the best working on? What have I done? So when you said, hey, I would work for free on my podcast because I just enjoy it. That is a strength. Okay. That's a strength. A strength is something that you have done that you would basically work for free or you just feel in the zone, meaning you wake up early, you stay up late. You're just excited to be doing it. So having conversations like this, it's exciting for me because I get new ideas. I get inspired. I get energy. And it's like, oh, cool. That's what a podcast is. Let me do more of that. And then promoting things. I'm like, oh, I love like promoting things on my email list. All right, let me do more of that. So think about, go make a list of everything you've done in the past six months that you really enjoy doing. Make that list. A second thing that you can do if you don't know your strength is think about someone who you like, someone who knows you really well, and ask them via text right now. And I've done this before. And it's generally like, yeah, you seem really good at marketing. I'm like, all right, why don't I just do more marketing? So just text them right now. Hey, I'm trying to figure out what I want to work on next. This is an even better one. I'll even make it even next level for people out there. Text someone that knows you. Hey, if I were to start a business, what kind of business do you think I should start? And they'll actually tell you a business that you're like, damn, yeah, I guess I should start that. Okay. So text a friend, anyone that knows you well. It can't be some random like, hey, Jimbo, what do you think I should do? It's like, I don't know, work at Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why Jimbo works at Walmart. But the point being is like your friends actually have a pretty interesting and if they're, I think most good friends have a good perspective about what you probably should be doing. And if you don't have any good friends that do that, go join an online group, go get involved in Side Hustle Nation, whatever it is. And you can find someone there that can start to get to know you better, like maybe set up a weekly call. But that person then can help reflect from an outside opinion what that is. Lastly, could be therapy. I've done that numerous times over the past 10 years. You know, I go for a year off and on and I definitely find having kind of like a third party person reflect on what I say helpful to help me understand what I want and the things I like to do. Okay. Tell me about the sumo gum thing. I remember reading the sumo jerky case study, but I I don't know about the sumo gum yet. Well, it's interesting. A lot of my products that I validate are physical. I guess I've done online too with Sumo and AppSumo. Another thing, I I chew a lot of gum. I went to a convenience store. They don't have new flavors ever. I love Trident Layers. They didn't have any new flavors. So I said, well, I'm going to create new flavors. And so then I just went and saw if I could get a few friends to buy it. 
So I hit up three friends. I said, hey, it's 10 bucks. I'm going to make caffeinated coffee gum. And they gave me the money. And then I emailed a friend, or I think, yeah, I emailed a friend, Jennifer, and I said, hey, you like to cook. Can I pay you $100? So I paid her a little bit more out of my own pocket. And I said, can I pay you to figure out how to make caffeinated coffee gum? And she's like, sure. Okay. And she actually, it was very clever of her. This is why I think women are definitely better than men. There's many, many evidence points. She went and bought, there's a gum making kit on Amazon by this company named Glee. So she bought a gum making kit and then she bought powdered caffeine and mixed it all together. And, you know, it tasted like (laughs) (laughs) But delivered what it promised. And I gave it out to all the people and they, they gave me the feedback and then we fixed it and we made a round two of it. And the round two was actually, you know, significantly better. Okay. And and that's what business is. And so at that point, she didn't want to keep working on it. And I, I didn't want to continue it. But it was kind of like, all right, cool. Like, if this is something that I wanted to pursue as a business, which, you know, I have enough with Sumo, the main two projects going on, is another kind of validation. Like, all right, cool. There's people out there like me who drink coffee or and want a coffee gum. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, with the, with all the business that 5-Hour Energy is doing and Starbucks, like, there's definitely a market for, for caffeinated gum. I just can't believe there's not there. So if someone wants to start it, I'm happy to give you the recipe and, and help you do the marketing. Yeah, look, for, look for the gum making kit on Amazon. That's awesome. Well, the other thing, I mean, for the people out there who are like, no, I don't want to do anything physical because that's hard work. <laughs> they want the digital life. One thing that, that I'll tell you a side thing that I started and we can go, let's do some of the, your, your ideas okay. and talk about validation. I write on my blog, okdork.com and I just write, I don't get paid. I don't have ads. You know, I mentioned my companies, but it's not like a direct, like go buy this thing at all. I don't have courses that I promote anything like that. And I do link sometimes to Amazon for books that I write or books that I, that I like, that my, my, just my favorite books. And what's interesting is that when people click those links, you can see other things they buy. And then you can see how much money you make. So with that, and then with Google ads, you can kind of see which of your pages make the most money or you at least used to. And so if you're ever trying to think of a side hustle, that's kind of, I think to the point that that's worked well for me is I also, as I'm doing the business, so I think number one, you got to sustain but the second important part of it is as you're sustaining something, try to notice what's working. With my blog, I noticed that one of my articles made a lot of money, which was an article about voiceover calling, like Skype and all this crap. Okay. And I was like, man, this page out of all my pages makes a lot of money. So I made a site called freecalls2.com. Don't go there, by the way. It's shit. You're going to look there and be like, oh, it's a total shit. It's total shit. But I linked to it, made a crap site, and then it starts generating like 300 bucks a month. And that's kind of more of the, one of those opportunity businesses. But I, the bigger lesson there is that as you're doing stuff, really pay attention to what's working and figure out how to do more of those things and then less of the things that are not working, which is cliche advice, but I think there's, I want to keep saying it over and over because I think there's something that people are missing where they just keep doing what they're already doing and not saying, oh, well, what is working so I can do more of that? Yeah, and, and kind of doubling down on, you know, on what's what you're getting results from. Okay. Well, like with your podcast, what things have you stopped doing and what things have you done more of? So just in response to listener feedback, we kind of bid farewell to the the Fiverr voiceover guy for the intro. Really, it's kind of been a game of how to get to the meat the fastest, right? You're talking about recording an hour and cutting down to the 20 minutes that are the most valuable. And it's the same thing here. It actually came out of a conversation with Srini Rao from Unmistakable Creative at Podcast Movement a couple years ago. And it was kind of a sea change from year one to year two at that conference, where it's like an influx of the NPR style shows, the narrative style shows, like this is what we're competing with in people's earbuds, right? So it's like, get to the point, spend a little more attention on audio quality. And just if you're not going to match, I mean, you don't have a production staff of 14 people working on the show full time, but you can you kind of at least be cognizant of what is going on in other people's earbuds and trying to 
deliver deliver value in that way. See, it's interesting because, yeah, you've evolved, right? Like there's one thing I think people are like, well, I've working on it for four years and it's not working. It's like, well, how much have you improved? Yeah, hopefully I'm getting better. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think everybody will tell you, like, don't listen to my first 50 episodes. You know, it's like a learning curve. It, it is amazing because a lot of people just see the end result and they don't really see what happens in the kitchen. So I think for everyone starting out, it's like I want to keep reminding myself of this and everyone listening too, where it, it takes time. And you have to be a little bit patient that the, the immediate success isn't going to happen. So at least see that the muscles bulging a little bit more than the day before, the week before, and then keep persisting around it. That's that's the idea anyway, is kind of trying to make that the, the slight edge habit of consistently putting out the show and trusting that you as you practice your craft, right, as you get your 10,000 hours in, you uh, hopefully get better over time. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree, man. So let's take one of these ideas. I think that'd be fun because listeners are like, well, I want to start a business. How do I, you know, how do I get my side hustle going? So what were some of the ideas? Like what, what are the ideas that you thought would be interesting? Would you want to see if you could actually make a business out of? Oh, for my what sucks list? Yeah. So there was like meal prep or dinner prep. There was the mobile like dress shirt ironing service. There was like the how to hit for more power in adult beer league softball. <laughs> I think those are the top three. So, oh man, there's there's a bunch of different ways, but ultimately, what business comes down to, I don't know. For me, at least, it's like, do you will you give me money for this service? Yes or no? And then actually seeing if that money can, happens or not. So, of those one, which one is most interesting for you to actually have solved? So, the meal prep is. I mean, there's a ton of companies that do that do this and do like meal delivery and stuff like that. But that's kind of a consistent pain point of like, well, you know, you got to plan out what you want to eat, and then you got to go shop for it. And then you got to make it. And even though my wife does 90% of that, it's still like, what else could we be doing with that time, both on Sunday and then throughout the week? So that one is probably at the top of the list for <laughs> what's a constant pain point. And so what's the solution you're looking for? By the way, for people listening, when you're talking to anybody who could be a customer, this is all you have to do is just listen to what they really want. And then at the end, we ask for money for it. And then if you do it enough times, then you make a website out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, we've tested different meal box kit recipe delivery services and stuff and they're all they're all fine but it still is a lot of work and I know there's ones too that like will deliver you, deliver you like a tv dinner or something it's like what if it was like showed up on Sunday night or Monday afternoon and it was like here's your four nights worth of paleo approved healthy meals it's like okay you know that would be that would be pretty compelling and so it's meals for you and your wife and your kid yeah and it shows up Sunday night for four nights in a row yeah, I mean, if it all came at one delivery, like that would be totally fine. And then how much is it? Are you willing to pay per meal? Yeah, I don't know. So we never thought about that. <laughs> would that be something you'd pay, you know, 15 bucks a meal? So it'd be 30 bucks a day? That wouldn't be outrageous. It'd probably be a little bit high, but I think I'd consider it. And then how much time does that save you guys? Probably saves five hours a week. So 15 bucks, you know, 30 bucks a day to save five hours a week is pretty easy. Yeah, it's not, it's not a horrible trade. So I'm not sure that I want to cook you meals or come. <laughs> are you in Michigan still? No, I'm in California. Oh, where are you in California? Livermore, East Bay. Okay, nice. Yeah, I'm from San Jose. Okay. The point being is that a lot of people, you may not want to do the work, but that's where it gets started. So one thing could be like, hey, I'll, let's try it out for a month. Is that something that you'd be willing to commit to today? And then you could say yes or no. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I'm not going to make you meals, but I think if someone's out there that likes to cooking and is nearby Livermore, I think that sounds like an interesting opportunity. Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? 
Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. So here's another thing. You can also say, well, let me make a meal for you for free. And if you like it, then sign up for a week. The thing with when you start businesses is that, especially when you do it like direct like that, is that people be like, oh, I don't know, maybe. So the two things you have to do is understand, are they really serious about what you want? Like, do they, because they have money, but what you offer, what you're offering may not actually be as valuable as they thought they wanted. And that's happened for me a lot of times, man, where I told this company I'd develop software for them. They're like, yeah, we can't wait for it. Give it to us. And so we spent three months developing it. Didn't get a contract, which was our mistake. That was our big lesson learned. And then when we finally had it and we said, hey, we did it. Where's our money? And you guys should use this now. They're like, ah, we're kind of busy. Yeah. I was like, what? That sucks. Yeah. They're just like, give me the yes or no, you know, pay me up front kind of thing. Exactly. Or so the point that I like to do are personally, and there's, there's a many different ways of getting to the same destination. I've just found that I like to do the one that's direct because I save all the time and money to figure out if it works or not. And for the restaurant one, it's like, let me see if I can get people to eat my food as a delivery service. And if I can't, okay, well, what do they want? Maybe they just want the ingredients list. Maybe they just need to know like what stuff to buy at the grocery store. And it, or it could be none of those things. Like maybe you're actually not willing to pay for it or your wife isn't willing to pay for it. But yeah. there's probably something else that you guys are willing to pay for. And another example, you said that you were trying to figure out which e-bike to buy. Right. <laughs> like there's, I mean, you can do the conversion kit thing and then you could go like super high end on these things. So yeah, just trying to figure out which one is best for like a tall dude and how does it work and all that stuff. So the two thoughts I was having about that, would you pay someone to help you just figure that out? Or would you normally want to research that? If I could find somebody who is super knowledgeable about, you know, bike fit and like, okay, based on what you're telling me on your lifestyle and your kind of like expected use of this thing, like that would be, it could be similar, like that could be your affiliate commission, right? Like, you know, you could have a referral fee or you could have a, a deal set up with the, with the bike shop and I'd be happy to pay that. 
And so a lot of people are like, well, that's stupid. I don't want to do that one by one. But that could eventually be a website where you just have articles and reviews and things like that. And you could sell a concierge service or just affiliate direct to like, here's how to choose your next e-bike. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking that could be really interesting is that I'm trying to buy a mountain bike now. And I will tell you, Nick, it is freaking hard. There's carbon, aluminum, 27 and a half, 29, this brand, all of them sound the same. And so I would gladly pay for someone to just say like, all right, Noah, you want carbon? Do car like get carbon. Let me see how you ride. This is the one you need to buy. And I'm going to actually help you negotiate a good price on it. I'm like, that sounds freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want to think about it anymore. There's too many choices. There are too many choices. Is actually a bad thing in a lot of circumstances. Start with saying, can you, hey, do you want to help finding e-bikes? Cool. I'll help you directly. And so we started a course back in the day with AppSumo and we didn't go and build the course and then see if we could sell it. We went and helped people directly. So I've started a bunch of businesses and then we were like, well, let's see if we can help others. And so we helped others. And while we helped them, it mostly didn't work, to be honest. <laughs> a lot of it didn't work, but we documented all of it and we found out what did work. And, you know, fear was a big thing that we didn't expect. Accountability was a big thing we didn't expect. But if we just started building websites and trying to get articles and hoping and prayed for Google traffic, like that wouldn't have ever worked. But we went out and like did the work, invested in it, found out what does work. And then we started, then it made it a lot easier to sell that type of product. And same thing with the e-bike, same thing with the paleo meal. It doesn't mean you can't start a blog and, and pray for traffic and it does work. I'm just saying it's a lot harder. Yeah. If you can't figure out like the problem with the blog is like, it's hard to identify who that one customer is. You kind of spitting into the wind of Google and like, hopefully someone some unknown person is going to find you, but it's like, you know, with all these ideas we're talking about, it's like, okay, you can go find one, you go find one person, you know, and ask them directly. Like, Hey, is this something you'd pay for? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like panhandling. It's like you're panhandling on the internet. You're like, Oh, yeah. please, someone, someone give me money. I don't know you. You don't know me. I mean, another way, here's a reverse way for someone who's like, well, I don't want to ask people for money and I, because I don't want to get rejected. The two things I would encourage you to do is go practice rejection. So I, you know, I don't know if you've seen my coffee challenge thing, but I encourage everyone to go next time they buy anything at a store, ask for 10% off and you get rejected oh, most of the time. That's what happens. And then you, you realize, you find out, holy shit, I'm alive and I'm still okay. And they're rejecting not me as a person, just my request. The second thing is that, oh, you're like, all right, no, I still don't want to ask people because I, I, I don't want to get rejected. And it's too scary. Fine. Commit six months minimum to creating content or information or something that people do want. And commit six months to it. Every week, do a video. Every week, do a podcast. Every week, do an article around e-bikes. And if you're not somewhere, you know, making some traction or some money within six months, then you probably shouldn't. You should probably go be an employee. Okay. And why is that? Just like nobody's found you. Like you don't have the marketing chops to get this done. Like, or <laughs> what do you find? Like, hey, I really like writing about this. Just nobody's reading it. I don't mean to be such a hater about that. It's not that, and I don't think I don't think I have like the, a gift of marketing chops. I think that's naive to to assume that. I think I've just found products that I loved and I did whatever I could to promote them. My belief more with that is less about marketing shops, but it's more if you commit to working hard and actually putting out good work, and, and we can talk about the marketing promotion of it, but if you do it consistently for six months, you should have at least some traction and have some idea that you can make a business out of what you're doing. If you're not willing to kind of do the more direct, straightforward approach. In six months, like, you know, what I personally do is I try to do four days a week of creating a great thing and then one day a week, so 80-20 four days on work, one day on promotion. And if you follow that formula for whatever you're working on, content, software, product, services, there's a very likely chance you will be successful. But most people spend five days a week creating, sitting behind their computer, and then you know doing the, the my favorite marketing, my least favorite marketing strategy, which is the prayer marketing strategy. 
Uh, please, okay. well, it's interesting to hear, to hear your ratio here. You know, eighty twenty on the side of creation versus the the Derek Halpern method of you know I'm going to spend one day creating and I'm going to go four days on promoting that content. Yeah, I think it can go either way. But if you have a piece of and you spend all the time promoting it, eventually people are like, that's just. I think the Derek thing and where we probably agree on, it's not about spending a bunch of time creating. But if you have something that you actually think is good, stop making more of it and just start promoting that. And, and that's the bigger point. The things that I've done that I've promoted and have had a lot of success when I promoted them are things that I've spent a lot of time on. And the things that I, I frankly haven't invested as much in and I try to promote it, they don't do as well. You know why? Because they're, they're not that quality of a product. Yeah. And so there, there's the balance. Uh, I mean, life is a lot of different balances. But the bigger point, I think Derek and I are still on the same page, is you've got to at least promote what you're doing. How much time you want to do around that is, you know, the quality of the product and if people already want it. Like In-N-Out is not making new burgers. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're not they're not tweaking the recipe or anything like that. No, what does In-N-Out do every year? They open new restaurants. So they spend their time making sure that the quality is there and then they go out of their way to make sure more people more and more people hear about it. Did they find their way to Texas yet? Are they in Austin? Yeah, man. We've like five of them here and it's oh, still owned by a family. I don't know if people know that. It's a private company owned by a, a family in in Southern California. Yeah, man. Family-owned business done done good. But the point there is like they made a great product. And so I even think about this with podcasts or with YouTube, which I've been experimenting with, is that, man, it's like it's so hard to just keep running on the treadmill. It's so hard to keep making more and more and more and more things. Why don't you just take less things that are great and promote the shit out of it? Like Apple, dude, I don't know. You know this, but most people probably don't realize it. Apple's got less than 10 products. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of crazy. Actually, however many billion dollar company yeah and i mean that's an extreme example but even probably with amazon like well amazon's got a bunch of products well amazon probably makes their money from three things right probably like kindle echo and then they have like their marketplace they don't even have to do anything around so their digital products the marketplace aws yeah it's like oh i guess they really only have like three possibly four major product lines and so it's just like you know instead of always making more and more things just like find the ones that are really working and then those are the ones you go deep on Sounds good, man. I think that's probably a good place to wrap this thing up. Uh, many, any other parting words of guidance before I, uh, I'll ask you for your number one tip here in a second. My tip, and I, I'm going to, I can get to number one, but my biggest thing again is just if you're thinking about getting a side hustle, the biggest thing you can do is commit to doing something today. One of my friends, and I mentioned him earlier, is JR, who started Nom Dudes, who just made videos for free for restaurants. He was doing his own vlog. He started it and he started doing the restaurants and that started working. So he kind of stopped doing his personal vlog and started more, doing more of the business one. And I, it's, he noticed what was working. But the biggest thing that he said, and this is really kind of struck home with me and, and really resonated with me, is that he said, man, I wish I would have started 10 years before. Because he's now 35, he's my age. And he's, one of, he's my best friend. And he worked at Cisco and he still works at Cisco. And he wanted to have a thing that he's just always really excited about on the side. And I think the thing that was really interesting is like, man, I just really wish I would have started 10 years ago. And it's one of these things where if anyone's thinking about it, do you want to look ahead in 10 years and be like, man, I wish I would have, someone would have just kicked me in the ass to get me going today. So just think about JR and think about, you know, 10 years. How do you want to look back on, on where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. A year from now, you wish you started today. I love that. I wish I would have started 10 years ago. Well, very cool. AppSumo.com, Sumo.com. The new show is Noah Kagan Presents, the brand new podcast. Awesome show. I definitely recommend it. Checking it out. My favorite episode was the, gosh, I'm going to blank on his name, Brian Dean. Oh, God, that was so good. That guy is so good. SEO episode. So good. So check it out. Noah Kagan presents, and you can find his blog at okdork.com. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. So I'll tell you the last thing that I, that I implemented this year that's, that's made me hyper productive is every night, I, and I hate when, I hate because I've heard something similar to this before, but this is what's worked for me. And finally, I'm like getting a lot more done. And I feel like I'm already a pretty productive person. 
but I basically do three by five cards. And at night, I just write down three things, three, you know, sometimes four, sometimes less. What am I doing the next day? And it just kind of gives you this inspiration. As you said, hey, what's my one thing? I just, I'm like, well, I wake up in the morning, I have my to-do list and I just go at it. And the idea that I spend a little bit more time, I think there's that balance of spending a little bit more time thinking about what I'm going to do before I just go do it. And then having that like clear, like go attack this list uh, when I get up first thing in the morning has dramatically made me more productive. So try out the three by five card strategy. Let me know what people think. I love it. Thanks so much, man. We'll catch up with you soon. Cool, man. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. Did that conversation with Noah get you pumped up to go forth and test some business ideas? How about the idea generation tactic of just writing down everything you want to complain about over the course of the day? There's no doubt about it. Noah's stuff works. And when it does, you're going to want an organized and professional way to get paid. And that's where FreshBooks comes in. The award-winning cloud accounting software helps entrepreneurs like us keep our paperwork in check without spending a ton of time. When you take someone from stranger to prospect to client, it's a pretty satisfying feeling when and they say those magic words, send me the invoice. That's when you fire up FreshBooks, drop a professional looking invoice in under a minute, send it over and get paid. If you haven't already, check out the freshly redesigned FreshBooks platform. They've gone through feature by feature to make it more intuitive and easier to use. In addition to invoicing, they've got time tracking and expense management tools built right in and the handy FreshBooks mobile app works wherever you do. See how the all new FreshBooks can save you time dealing with your paperwork so you can go spend more time making your hustle happen. Visit freshbooks.com slash hustle to start your 30-day free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Noah. Number one, give yourself a deadline. Can I get three customers in 48 hours? Like Noah said, hesitation is the enemy. If it weren't for the last minute, a lot of stuff would never get done. That's why events like Startup Weekend and even Scott Volker's seven-day challenge from episode 226 are so successful. You don't have time to overanalyze anything. It's just minimum viable product, minimum viable idea, and go. Takeaway number two is zero to one is the hardest. When I used to work in the car business, there was a saying that sales solves a lot of problems, but making that first sale is the hard part. And the quicker you can get there, the better off you're going to be. So that was takeaway number two. Takeaway number three is that prayer is not a marketing strategy. If your business relies on hoping something is going to work, that's a red flag. And that's why Noah advocated for his direct outreach style of marketing, asking one person at a time. Is it something that you'd pay for? So be sure to hit up sidehustlenation.com slash Noah to download the free PDF highlight reel from this conversation and to check out all the links and resources mentioned. Now, if you want to stick around, Noah and I chatted for about 20 minutes before the start of the show. And at his suggestion, I hit the record button and we chatted about productivity and podcasting and perseverance when things aren't going well and side projects. So if you want to listen into that segment, I'm going to play it for you after the outro music. Totally optional, but thought I'd put it out there as a little bonus morsel from this episode. In the meantime, if you like what you hear, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app to get new episodes of the Side Hustle Show automatically downloaded to your device every Thursday morning. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where you'll learn 10 foundational habits for side hustlers and entrepreneurs from a guest expert who was last on the show four years ago. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.
Well, I was curious to learn more about, you said since you had a kid, you've made more money or you, it's been a better business year for you. Why is that? I think it's more based on, you know, the years that have been spent, been spent building before he was born, but also just think is like, just like that more focused things like that baby effect, maybe. Is that, I was talking to Ryan from Order a Man and I was saying that I should just have a kid so that I can get more, more done. Is that, is that what you're suggesting too? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> is it really that when you do work, you're just like a lot more focused around it? I think so. It's been, especially during those first few months, because like, I mean, now he's at daycare, you know, four days a week. And so that's, you know, kind of back to normal working from home. But for the first little bit, and it's just rough, like trying to squeeze anything you can into nap time or trying to eke <laughs> little bits of writing time or productivity time, podcast editing time, different things. All of a sudden, 15 minutes is like, well, shoot, I can get a lot done in 15 minutes versus like, oh, that's not enough time to start anything. Do you find yourself just much more productive with like, hey, I have an hour, so I'm going to not mess around? Yeah, I think so. Or it's kind of forced you to become more disciplined with it. Like, okay, here's the, here's the top priorities. Here's what I'm going to tackle when that free time does come. How can people without kids like myself, like get in that mode more? <laughs> practice getting up every three hours in the, in the middle of the night and practice going on no sleep, being like, well, this is horrible. Probably just is that, is that prioritization. And so I know you're incredibly productive. So it's like, you just have to put down what you're going to focus on and say, well, these are the things that I'm going to kind of tackle first thing. And so that was kind of my rule, especially during those early months is like every day, was like, okay, here's my one thing that I want to get done today. And if that one thing got done, sometimes it would be an hour. Sometimes it wouldn't get done till like four, five, six in the evening. It was like, as long as I got that one thing done, that could be a win. And that I think helped move things forward, even if it felt like it was kind of in maintenance mode. That's a really good point. I think with productivity, as you, as you were saying it, it's almost like, what things are you willing to not do? What things are you saying? Okay, this is really not as important as something else. And really yeah. figuring out what is the most important thing to move your life or business forward. Yeah, it's trying to trying to get better about saying no, which is hard for ADD and like, well, I want to try everything, but that's that whole like essentialism and and the one thing thing. <laughs> What's the last thing that comes to mind for that? For saying no, it's just a lot. Of, saying no to a lot of JV partnerships, saying no to people's virtual summits, saying no to, oh, can you come into the city to speak at our thing? And you're just like, ah, you know, that's that's a ninety mile round trip. Um, I'm good. And then maybe on the flip side, that's actually really interesting. So on the flip side, what are you saying like for sure to like if someone comes to you and they go, Nick, yo, I got this thing that I got. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. I need to get a better like just strict, strict rules on it. Like so if there's a pre-existing relationship, like, yeah, that's fun. If I think it's going to be a fun project. Yeah, let's test that out. If I think it'll serve the audience. Yeah, for sure. Let's do that. And that's where it's like, you know, so most cold pitches that I get just, you know, don't even get responded to. But it's like, hey, you sent me this email. And, you know, I've liked your stuff for years. So it's like, okay, that's, that's a no brainer. We'll make something happen. Well, I think it's, what you're saying is really cool. It's like, how do I create defaults in life so I don't have to worry about it? And it reduces the amount of energy that we allocate towards things. So I've never really thought of it that way. But if you just have your default, yes, to like, okay, if it fits this bucket, I will just always say yes. And generally yeah. for, you know, with Sumo and our companies, it's been, does this align with our goal? And so, our, you know, our goal has either been grow email list a certain size or, certain amount of customers or certain amount of revenue. And it's like, if it fits that bucket and it's towards that, sure, I'll take time to, to be a part of it. And if it's not, then it's easier to default and not use energy to think, oh, do I want this or not? Yeah, it's like the whole like Mark Zuckerberg, I'm only going to wear, you know, my shorts and my hoodie and my flip flop. Like I don't have to worry about my wardrobe. There's one less decision that I have to make every day. 
Yeah, there's a great book for a lot of people probably thinking, or I don't know about yourself, but and I, I'm actually going to go reread it. It's called Powerful Engagement. And what I think about it yourself or me or you know Gates or uh, Bezos or anybody uh, across different spectrums of life, we all have the same amount of time. And I don't think I'm gifted. I think I have special things that I've become better at over time and and crafted better. But we all have the same hours. So you know, it's like how do we use different energy? Like how do we figure out what is really the maximum level of energy? to get the most important things done. And that book is just kind of thinking and helps you help me reflect on, all right, well, when, what time of the day and what things do I should I be doing and what things should I not be doing? And it seems for me, at least, it, it seems to be working relatively well to, to get the things done that I want. And it's called Powerful Engagement? The Power of Full Engagement. Oh, the Power of Full, okay. I love these books that like you don't really, they're not as talked about. It's not like here, how to post more on Instagram. <laughs> uh, it's more like the higher level concept at the top of the funnel. Bless you. Yeah, so I'm going to... <laughs> normally i'm gonna hit mute when i go and cough over there but it's okay you know it's the days that you're not feeling well which and it's hard when you're not feeling like oh, i don't want to talk to noah because i'm tired and i you know i I, th I think there's something there with that i've been thinking about that a lot nick where it's like all right i don't really feel like going to the gym tonight i'm gonna go and the more that people can get that mindset of like i'm gonna do the thing that's hard when i don't necessarily want to do it that's probably what's going to separate you from getting what you want versus not well, we can hope so anyways. <laughs> like, I, feel, I feel fine other than just, you know, I sound weird and it's it's all good. You sound fine. I mean, you sound just a little more on the, on the tired level. A little nasally. No, I'll get, I'll get up for the recording. It's all good. Since it's audio only, that's all you got. So, so I know it's like sometimes you get people on, they're like, uh, you know, one word answer is it's no good. So I'll just pump them up, man. How do you like doing the, the Noah Kagan Presents? Podcasts are freaking hard. <laughs> no one told me this. Sometimes it's better in life not to be told it's going to be hard before you do it. I was thinking about this where if you ever want to be successful and or in whatever way you define it, just be very naive. And the more naive you are, the more successful you're going to be. Like, don't assume you know how to do things. And then you don't have to do them the way that everyone else is doing because you're being naive. You're like, let me ask questions. Let me try something new. And, and I started the podcast. I was like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, 100,000 listeners instantly. And it's going to be easy for me. I've got, a, you know, people already know me and it's like crickets. I'm like, where, where is everyone? No, it's not. I see you over the top charts. It's not crickets. It's not crickets, but it's also, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's also expectation where, and, and I actually don't look at my charts. One of the things I'm really trying to commit to Nick is just say, all right, I'm going to commit one year to doing this no matter what, no matter yeah. what, every Tuesday, I'm going to commit to making it happen. And then at the end of the year, let me see if how the charts look and my, my performance looks. And it's kind of this interesting balance I'm really working on where how do I just create something that I'm just happy to keep working on for a long period of time, as well as try to get towards some goal. So it's this really cool balance that this is the first year I've really done it where what's my specific target, my one goal that I'm focused on. Uh, for me, it's 100,000 listeners an episode. And how do I create habits each week that I'm just happy to keep doing? Because I notice for myself, sometimes I hit my goals finally. And I feel lost. I'm like, what do I do next? Yeah, what next? Exactly. And so if you can create the habits, it's not necessarily about what's next. It's like, well, I'm just going to keep doing these things that, you know, have gotten me the results and keep working towards, uh, not keep working towards, but keep working on my habits. And I like that. It's really more fulfilling and I think sustainable, which is the most important thing. Absolutely. No, that's kind of a fun thing. So 100,000 listeners, you get there or you don't get there. But hopefully at the end of the year, you're like, well, shoot, this is a fun thing to keep doing so we <laughs> keep going at it yeah i mean well your whole show is you know side hustles and starting businesses and i think certain people if you're just really early on like just start anything like just just get it going most people are, are listening too much and not doing enough that that's probably the number one problem for a lot of people wanting to have a side hustle 
Yeah. But the, you know, the podcast for me, it, it's kind of gives me an excuse. Like I wouldn't have reached out to talk with you and connect with you and learn more about you if the podcast didn't exist. Yeah. It's kind of been, I mean, it's been a totally life-changing project. It started similarly, although nobody knew me when I started, it was just kind of like probably cost less than a hundred bucks and we'll do this thing and we'll see if I like it. And man, it's taken on really a life of its own. It's been, you know, one, probably the most rewarding project that I've been able to work on. And it's been, you know, now four years and it's hard to imagine like not doing, not doing the show. It's just, it's really cool. Well, two things. How did you persist? So what made you keep going where a lot of people have started a podcast and kind of given up? Probably the not knowing any better. You know, now you see people's like case studies about like, oh, dude, I got a hundred thousand listeners in my first month. It's like, well, I got like, I forget even what it was. It's something like 195 downloads in my first month. Your first month? Yeah. It was rough, right? And last month was probably, you know, a thousand X that. And so it's like, well, this is cool, you know, to kind of see that trajectory. But it's just the dumb persistence to keep going and then you know enjoying the connections and conversations that came out of it you know john corcoran right he's always said hey look i'd podcast even if nobody listened right because it's a, a cool medium to to have these conversations i mean what what kept you going was it just fun for you was it you started seeing results and you're like well i want more of the results yeah things things were definitely i mean the chart was moving up and to the right and just at a very at a very slow pace but people were people were tuning in and people were you know engaging which was cool. People say, hey, we like this. And it was like, I don't know, it was just a fun project to work on and kind of come up with a with an angle or an arc. And the first year, the first year is pretty rough production wise, but it was kind of like learning, I guess it was learning a new craft, right? Like I've been, I guess I consider myself a writer before that and, you know, I had a business, like an affiliate marketing business, but it was something totally new and different. Well, it's amazing. It only takes four years. One thing I try to always remind myself, and that's why I say it out loud, it's, it's for the listeners and for you, but mostly for me, I keep having to remind myself that it's, it's hard work and it takes time because I think we do a lot of these things and we don't have the money or the, the results right away. And it's kind of like going to the gym and, and doing a bench press and then you don't have really big arms or doing a sit up and you don't have a six pack. And you're like, well, how many sit ups have you done? One sit up for one day. It's like, well, okay, do it for four years. And there's probably a good chance that you build habits of working out regularly, you'll get the body and the results. Same with the, the podcast. It made me wonder too, what were some of the low points of doing this, the podcast for you? Well, I don't know if there was any low point. I mean, there were points like, oh, your first seven episodes play in stereo. Like, so if I'm listening in one earbud, I can only hear your guest or I can't hear you talking. So just like technical problems that came up, low points. I don't know. There weren't any like, because it wasn't, you know, trying to directly monetize the, you know, with, with ads or anything at the beginning, it, you know, wasn't like, well, you know, super depressing, like, oh, nobody's, nobody's downloading this. Like it was always kind of moving in the right direction. So you know, I kind of saw that positive momentum and saw it kind of like doing that bench press, like, okay, this is, this is just a habit, you know, that's part of my weekly routine now. And let's kept it going. You reminded me of, do you know grasshopper.com? You remember those guys? Like the phone service? Yeah. Yeah. So I talked to him and, you know, Sumo's, we've struggled, you know, our company has been around AppSumo, the Groupon for Geeks and Sumo are free marketing tools is that we've been doing seven years and we definitely go through ups and downs. And I was talking with David from Grasshopper and I was, you know, I was whining and, and I think I'm really trying to do a good job of looking for solutions and, and not whine at all. And what David said to me, which is really stuck. And I, I thought it was a powerful message is you've got to create a game that you can win. And what you were talking about and what I, I'm like, oh, that's such a good point. What you were saying is 
if it wasn't going up and to the right, if you didn't feel like you were doing work and seeing results, you have to feel that you can see the progress. And, and I think that's ultimately what a lot of us want to see and feel as we're working on our own projects is that, all right, it maybe not is like dramatically, but I can see that it's promising. I can see that not, you know, I'm not 10xing immediately, but I'm at least going up a little percent or a little bit each day or each month. And, you know, that kind of reinforces the motivation. Yeah. I mean, it's every time you hit a new daily download record, you know, I'll definitely let, okay, you know, let that guest know, hey, shoot, today was the highest download day in the history of the Side Hustle show. And, you know, if you're doing it right, you know, every few episodes, hopefully is another new record. So it's kind of fun. What were you hoping when you started? I've been thinking more about vision. That's why I'm curious about other people's visions. I don't know. It was more of like a fear of missing out. Probably people were like, well, you know, audio is the future. Podcasting is the future. You know, you got to get on this. And I felt like I'd missed the boat on YouTube and video and, and definitely still don't have no, <laughs> very little desire to be on video. So I was just like, well, this is just another experiment to try. I don't know. I just always had different random projects going on. I think it's kind of a problem with people wanting to do side hustles is that they don't commit enough. And if they committed like a week more or a month more, it would actually start working. So I wonder with like podcasts for you, given kind of like your, what you were saying is like, how did you know to stick with that? Was it because you saw more promise than other things you tried? Yeah, that's hard to say because right, like I had the luxury of doing it as a side project, at least at the beginning and not needing revenue from it. So that's, you know, I guess has a lot in common with other people starting a side business. Hey, hopefully, hopefully you have a day job that's paying the bills and kind of affords you a little bit of runway. But then, yeah, you start to see some positive traction. And then if it's something that you like doing, then, you know, it's no real harm or like, I guess there's always opportunity cost. But it's like, well, this is kind of a fun, a fun addition to my, to my schedule. That's something you actually enjoy doing. Yeah. I don't know. You're like 20, 25 episodes deep into the show. Is this something that you enjoy doing or is it like work? I have to remind, <laughs> it's funny. I wrote notes because I was for myself about podcasts. Because I think it's a good reminder what you're saying, man. Like, it should be fun. I remember I was doing a, a one an episode or so, and I, I was like, man, I am making this not fun, and it's only been four months. And if I want to do this for four years, the two things that I want to figure out is how do I make it sustainable, and how do I keep improving? Because it's, I think like you were saying as well, it's, it's very nice to feel progress and improvement. The thing with podcasts for me is it's just such a different medium that I've experienced, and you have to realize people are listening. So one of the things that that has been fun is like, how do I master the craft of podcast? Right? You've been doing it four years, so you've eventually you've gotten to a point where like you know your four years knowledge and four years deep of you know expertise around it. So for me, I actually want to short circuit that a little bit. So I ended up hiring an NPR producer. Okay. And I ended up paying him money to teach me about how they put together the shows. Super cool. And that's really helped me think of, and I can share you know things that he, he suggested and. But I've been trying to apply that in other aspects. Like, okay, I want to get better at chess. How can I hire a chess coach or Hebrew? So I hired a Hebrew coach and just kind of keeping that like student mentality and you know, like the Bruce Lee style, you know, like always be the student or something like that. Yeah. No, I was going to ask if you've ever done any like live radio interviews because you can, the hosts are at a whole nother level of they're switching back and forth between like three or four different guests and like, you know, seamless transitions to like the ad reads. And it's just like, Oh man, you know, you can learn from people who've been doing this for 30 years. And of course they've got like their super good, like radio voice. And it's just, oh man, I'm like jealous of this stuff. No, I think that's a great point. I've started just the people I admire, like Jeff Bezos or people that are great speakers, like Art Williams is a great speaker. Brendan Bouchard is a great speaker. Go watch them on YouTube. It's literally free. And there's hundreds of thousands of hours of, you know, anyone you want to learn from talking on, on there. 
my friend Neville always does it. So I was like, okay, so now in the morning or lunch or evening, I'll just put on YouTube and watch some videos about these people speaking or things I want to learn. The NPR dude was good. I mean, his main takeaways are, you know, what's not important and you should remove it. So what he did is he listened to a few of my episodes, listened to a few of my outlines. And the two or three key themes, number one is like, you have these episodes that are an hour or two hours, but really only 20 minutes matters. And I think about it like Apple or a lot of the the companies I admire, what they do is they really remove a lot of the things that are unnecessary. Yeah. And so what I did is I I use a service, Trent.com, and I get my transcripts and I spend, if the episode's an hour, I probably spend, you know, 5x that just editing to saying, all right, well, what's really the most important part of this show? And that significantly has helped make the shows, I think, a lot more enjoyable and a lot more, I don't know, powerful. Yeah. You can tell listening to other shows where it's like, well, this wasn't edited or this was. Yeah. Such a tighter listening experience. I mean, there's that Steve Jobs line where for every second you waste, times it by 100,000 people, times it by 365. (laughs) And I think that's a good point. People only have so much time available in a day to listen to things. So you want to make sure it's just the meat. And and I've actually started applying this in my business. I have a Chrome extension that I've been experimenting with called Leo, L-E-O-H.io. And it's just a productivity tab for Chrome. And what was fascinating, though, is that the guy I bought it from, he had all these features in it. It's, you can have a cal- you can have uh, notes and to-dos and weather and news and quick links and bookmarks and all this <laughs> And so I just went into Google Analytics and I said, well, what, what are people spending 60% or more of the time on? And it was literally the quick links, notes, and to-dos, and the weather. And so I removed everything else. I just removed it. And it's like, oh, usage is up, time is up, growth is happening again. And it was just a good reminder of in businesses and podcasts and YouTube and whatever we're working on, just like remove the distractions and then focus on the quality things that people want. Like if you have a restaurant and someone comes in and they have a dish, they're probably not going to care about the other dishes. So remove those dishes and then focus on just your, you know, the things you're great at. Yeah, buddy. What was that uh, extension? Oh, it's Leo, L-E-O-H dot I-O. Okay. Okay. I wanted to experiment. To me, a lot of marketing opportunities don't come when you, from existing marketing channels. So you're not going to like, yes, at scale, there's Facebook ads are great. But if you want really good deals and if you're just starting out, it's not going to be on Facebook ads. It's going to be on Reddit. It's going to be on new channels that people haven't really experimented with, right? That's why they're inefficient and there's still opportunities there. So Chrome extensions, Instagram probably is a little bit, Reddit maybe a little bit, but basically where people are hanging out, there's probably for people trying to do side hustles, I think there's a huge opportunity in the Facebook marketplace. I've just seen that people aren't realizing just yet how big of a market they can sell their things so much faster or make more money using Facebook Marketplace. So I think there's going to be opportunities around that in selling your stuff or selling other people's stuff. Yeah, we had some some cool kind of case study testimonials, people coming out like out of a recent episode. It's like, you know, just go find some crap from your attic and put it on eBay. And people are like, dude, I just sold my roommate's TV for a hundred bucks on Facebook Marketplace or whatever. <laughs> like, did you ask your roommate first? Ah, he didn't care. <laughs> I sold your wife. What? <laughs> well, I think that's kind of one of misconceptions in people starting businesses is they expect their first idea to be their last idea. And that's almost never the case. Meaning that a lot of the things you first start out with, you're like, oh, I'm going to sell. Like, I'll even speak for my own example. So I started out with AppSumo. It was was a bundle software for web deals. So I went out and got all these like web apps and, you know, SaaS products and sold a bundle of them. And that has evolved in seven years to selling giveaway software, to selling courses about how we built AppSumo to now, you know, sumo.com, which is our free email marketing tools. And it's just like, they're related, but it's definitely not what I thought we would be doing seven years later. 
And I think when people with side hustles and business starting, is they're kind of thinking, oh, well, this is the have to be the idea and it has to work. And I think the bigger takeaway is more, if it's not working, how do you make it work and how do you evolve the business or your product line? Yeah, that's that's really a powerful thing. You know, they, your first idea is not your, not necessarily your last idea. You know, picking what's next doesn't mean picking what's forever. Like my, my first side hustle was like this footwear comparison shopping site. And I naively thought like, I, this could be my thing. Like I could run this forever and kind of played in the margin between the cost of traffic and the affiliate commissions on that traffic. And just over time, kind of those margins got narrower and narrower and narrower. It's like, all right, well, what's the next thing going to be? So what was the next thing? The next thing was the side hustle nation site and a handful of other projects, the most successful of which is a virtual assistant, like Yelp for virtual assistant companies. Really? Yeah. And it's like lead gen on uh, towards them? Yep. Hold on, so do you still manage all these different projects and Side Hustle Nation and the podcast? So the shoe site is shut down, but the VA site is still running. So those are really the two main sites. And then there's a handful of other like really small affiliate sites that don't do much anymore. But it's it started in 2011. And so it's kind of just been on a slow, steady growth since then just kind of adding more companies to the directory and interviewing the founders and you know collecting reviews and stuff has kind of become the the go-to source for for user reviews and all these different companies i think that's it's interesting so when you started that it was making nothing i'm guessing how long did it take to actually start making money probably three months and even then it was probably you know a couple hundred bucks or less it's funny because it takes some time i think that's one thing with side hustles and businesses that are starting it doesn't happen immediately <laughs> we we no. all wanted to. Well, unless it's like freelancing, right? Like you go go book client number one and okay, here's a five hundred dollar project, here's a thousand dollar project, press hard, there's three copies or whatever. And then it's like you can ring the cash register right away. But to build anything else that's a little more time leveraged. Yeah. I like the manual stuff. I think a lot of people too early want to create some blog, have some ads on it or affiliate things, and then magically traffic and all that stuff starts appearing. And I don't know, personally, I just like kind of slow, not, not necessarily slow, but I like things that you do manually first. And then you start thinking, how do I automate it with software? And I think people put the cart before the horse and like, I just need to build software and build a website and then it'll just magically make money. And, and I like the idea of like, go sell things and the, to our original part, like sell something and then see how that evolves. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that extended chat with Noah Kagan from okdork.com, appsumo.com and sumo.com. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Peace. Hustle on.